So Gray will now inbound in front of the Mystics bench. Fires it into Plum. Plum has it. Aces are down four. Stokes sets a pick. Plum, step back, three. Boom, shakalaka-laka, boom. KP cuts it from four to three, just like that. I wonder if SantaCon is the one thing that won't eventually get that reappraisal. Because I remember people used to stun on Guy Fieri like this. And at this point, he's like, everybody agrees that Guy Fieri is like the most important American. Mm -hmm. Like that if he ran for president as on either party with any platform, he would certainly win 60% of the vote. Yes. Now Asia has it, gets a pass from Plum. Ball batted away by Howard. Now back to Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Her first three-pointer of the night. I just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Press box on a Monday. Willie's in. Cofield. Tyler Ed with the week off. Good show so far. Make sure you check out the podcast at LVSportsNetwork.com. It's gone by fast, right, Willie? Yeah, we're rolling. All right, we got a special guest coming up oh, man. in our 9 o'clock hour, but let's do the remix first. Uh, we started off the show talking about WNBA All-Star Weekend. Kelsey Plum. Did not win the three-point contest, but she did win the game MVP, which means, Willie, that she's going to have a lot of opportunities to go elsewhere for more money. Maybe the Aces can't keep all these stars together. Plum has ties to her native area, which is San Diego, and played in the state of Washington, so she could be tied to either the Sparks in SoCal or the Storm in the Pacific Northwest. What's the biggest factor in the decision and do things change? Let's talk real world here, right? Okay. Like, I'm not going to another city to do radio without consulting the significant other. That's part of it, right? I have to do that. So if Kelsey Plum is dating Darren Waller, if she is going to marry Darren Waller, what do you do? It's only, it's only what? how long is the season? 37, 38 games, 40, whatever it is, right? Um, it's not like it's a 10 month year, although she also plays internationally. So what do you, if that's the situation, let's, you know, she's, if she's in this relationship, okay. what's she going to do? I don't know. Does the Seattle Seahawks need a tight end? That's a good point. He hasn't been extended. That's a good point. <laughs> so, Waller also is not locked into Las right. Vegas. I so, think so maybe, maybe Plum is driving the bus here and she decides to go to boy, Seattle is far away, man. Doesn't that? And then all of a sudden, Waller's like, "Really? All the way up there?" I don't think. Seahawks suck. I don't want to go there. I don't think it's an issue because, well, Waller has been to. He has gone to out of state games. He was in Chicago. As a matter of fact, he was in Chicago using Dierica Hamby's t- extra tickets on a road game. Yeah, he was at the All Star game this season. Is well after the end. I mean, even if the Raiders made really the playoffs, the Raiders yeah. went to the Super Bowl. Camp opens, I believe, in April or May. So he could he could easily relocate if they were together, if they were an item, if they became serious, if they got married. And she went to Seattle for argument's sake. Right. He could relocate up there and then be come back. He would miss the second okay. half of the season for training camp. She goes. Uh, she goes to Seattle to play for the Storm. Raiders don't extend him. But they're going to trade him, right? So he has no control of where he goes. The Dolphins are like, here's the package. Okay. Raiders are like, you're going to the Dolphins. Hello, Miami to Seattle. Good luck. But but again, 
he could still be in. They could live in one of the two cities, and then when it's time for Oof. her season, it's during the off season. It's a lot of travel. It's not a lot of travel. What? Where are you traveling? If if she's playing between April and let's say they get to the po- the postseason August to September. Yeah. Okay. So for once the Dolphins are out of the season. January, end of January, or if they make the Super Bowl the second week of February through July, he's with her. So what you're telling me... When the season ends in the WNBA in August, September, she's with him. Okay, so what you're telling me is athletes don't always live in the city they play in. Okay. <laughs> now you're right. You are right. My, no, the scenario, athlete, the scenario, athletes, the scenario do, do, I'm describing yeah. is is workable. Sure, absolutely. Especially with this, you think about how how uh, careful that they're being with this, and uh, it, now that it's out there after the red carpet photos at the Title Nine. Is it they, out there? She gave you a no comment. She gave me no comment, but the red carpet out there, she gave me another smirk and no comment before she talked about her off-season free agency and possibly going to Seattle, no comment. So you got a scoop off a smirk. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Journalism. <laughs> Journalism, baby. I mean, you got you got a definite she's going to Seattle off my no comment oh, that guessing. I got from you. Oh, uh, she's going to Seattle. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm just yeah, guessing. Yeah. I don't think she's going to Seattle. I think the Sparks. I think, they go I think the, the Sparks go if she the Sparks need a great player. I don't I'm think sure she's the going there would, either. Oh, okay. Right. I think here's what I think with Kelsey Plum. I think it's dependent on who's the coach is. I think she'd rather play if you were to say away from Vegas, she'd rather play for Noel Quinn than whomever the Sparks are going to go get. I don't know if they're going to stick with I can't even remember who their interim coach is after Derek Fisher got. I can't think of the guy's name. But they're not I think she and I think she enjoys playing for Becky Hammond. So I think she wants to make things work and try to stay here or find someone she's comfortable in playing with. I think she wants to play for a coach that's going to be not only point guard friendly but shooter happy. Becky Hammond doesn't care if you are Asia Wilson, Kia Stokes or Kelsey Plum or Jackie Young, if your her motto was from day one and still is, if you're open, you better shoot it. Kelsey loves that. So she wants she's gonna go. I don't think it necessarily matters on the coaches or the team as much as it does on the coach. But I think more than anything, she wants to stay here. So let's stick on relationships and and also talk about potential team distractions. So we've been playing a lot of Tyree Kill from his podcast, and he just he comes off as a dope sometimes. TMI, right? Uh, I am a Jets fan. Am I supposed to embrace Zach Wilson more now, yes. or should I be worried? I'm not delivering the story because I could barely understand what was happening in the story. I just saw, like, BFF, ex-girlfriend. What, what's happening here with Zach Wilson? Who wants to deliver this? Okay, so... Zach Wilson. Look at how happy he is. And <laughs> so fired up. He, all right. So his longtime girlfriend and him broke up. Right. And then she was seen with his best friend who plays for the Washington Commanders. And everybody was like, oh, man, how could you do that to. Uh, right. So to people Zach? accused her of being kind of a, goes, a, well, a star blanker. Yeah. Football and, star blanker. Yeah. Well, and, you know, she likes her boys from Utah. Uh, well, she goes, Hey, he cheated on me with his mom's best friend. Now, his mom, as we all know, was the star of the draft the year that Zach Wilson got drafted. Mm-hmm. So we have to assume that the, her friends are also, what's a nice way of saying, well put together. Um, and so Top quality this, milfage. Yes. This dude is literally embracing like, hey, my mom's bringing all these fine women around. What do you want me to do? I have no problem with it. I love it. 
<laughs> underrated. The literally the fact that she's the ex girlfriend is now with the best friend is like a footnote in this story. Yeah, amazing. That right there. All of a sudden, he's the bad guy. Why? Because a cougar was roaring. <laughs> It's okay for the young ladies to find older men, but Jack Wilson finds somebody attractive that happens to be... Oh, well. I love it. I absolutely love the fact that I found an Instagram page that had several memes dedicated to... I saw that. It was fantastic. I might just tweet out that account so y'all can go look at the memes they came up with. For Zach Wilson's conquest. Let's not also forget that this is the BYU quarterback. Well, there's a whole path we can go down <laughs> on that one, so I will not do that. You know. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and the kids from Utah. Okay, if he Originally, were playing, right? if he he's were, from... here's my worry: if he were playing in Charlotte. Okay, but it's New York. Look out. This is red meat for the New York media. Just absolute red meat. Oh, you and he's media. and he's not that good yet. I don't know if he's ever going to be good. But I disagree. Is this going to turn into something that's a freaking nightmare? You need to clarify. No. You need to clarify. I agree with you. I'm all for you. No, listen if, to me. If wait you a got minute. A, wait if you a got, minute. If you got a hot, whatever, in his case, hey, you want to go out with a lady who's 42 years old, whatever she is, 37, I don't know. I mean, that, do we know the age of this woman? This best friend could also be like 29, could actually be close to him. Do we have pictures? No, but, but my look, worry is it just turns into a stupid distraction. No, I'm not saying you gotta, you know, you gotta pick who you're gonna be with. It, by, by the way, is he still with her? Do we know? I don't know. Does Jimbo'sNFL.com? Because I'm <laughs> assuming this is where he got it from. That's actually in the New York Post now. I don't know. If I got a lot of questions. Listen. You say the New York media. I don't think the New York sports media. This has nothing to do with football, and it's the off season, and and camp hasn't even opened. You know who this is? Remember the movie Hitch with Will Smith? Okay. E- Eva Mendez was the gossip, like the top gossip columnist for the New York tabloid. Okay. That's who this is fodder for. The New York tabloid gossip columnist. Because it's July, and whenever this happened, dude, you have no. Yeah, God, I understand you, what you you're think saying. it's just going to be page six and the. No, no, I, no, a, I don't think it's. But what I'm saying is, is you're going. Oh, the New York. Why would the New York sports media? Why are they going to tear him apart when he's? I'm not even going to use the word. I, there's literally a guy at the New York Post right now whose just job is to write puns about this story. Right, he's having fun with it, but they're not tearing. I don't. I mean, hey, dude, embrace it. I think he's. I think this dude. I mean, pay him. Pay him. <laughs> jersey sales are going to go up. How many fans are going to be like, yeah, right on? I want a Wilson jersey just to have it. Or Wilson <laughs> T. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on Amazon for my be... Prime membership just in case they oh, start man. streaming and I'm getting me a Wilson that, T-shirt. That, that, that's going to become the new like rap lyric. Is I'm out here with the older yes. women like Wilson. Yes, I'm waiting. Ooh. Drake's next drop. <laughs> He does need some street cred. You remember seeing him at the draft when he was looking around? He's like, well, what's going on here? I'm from BYU. I don't get this. That's right. I'm back like your mama's friend. Just call me Zach. Easy. Weight loss center. Before and way before. This guy ever stopped breaking balls. All of the sun, none of the fun. On the Press Box Summer Edition. Summer Edition. Ed and Tyler with the week off. Willie, what do you got? 
That was a great scene. That was a scene with uh, Bobby Bacala and Vito, Tony Sirico as Polly Walnuts, and they were in the back room at the Bada Bing, and he's there standing next to each other, and he says, "As eh, before, and way or no way after, after and way after," and Tony chimes in as Silvio's there. Great scene from The Sopranos. Polly Walnuts passed away. Tony Sirico. Uh, late last week. By the way, let me Ray get... Liotta. Yeah. About a month ago, in between James Con. So, uh, yeah. One thing I will say that I was a little, bo- I'm a little bothered by, and I included it in in one of my posts, but I also made sure that I put his name. Is so many people, and I get it because you're, you're familiar with that character. But the whole like, by Polly Walnuts, R.I.P. Polly Walnuts. It's Polly Walnuts. It's Tony Sirico is is the guy's name. And if you want to add, like, no more Polly Walnuts or buy Polly Walnuts, but I see so many people just referring to that Polly Walnuts died. No, Tony Sirico died. Polly Walnuts was just one of the many characters that Tony Sirico played. All right, let's stay on this for a second. Johnny Sack is in studio with us. Yes, he is. <laughs> Which is actually a Sopranos character. Johnson Santee, boss of the Las Vegas Bowl. Local legend. What's going on, buddy? Did, did you see how Willie was about to do a Jersey accent right there? And then he looked around the room and he realized there was two Jersey guys in the room and he pulled back on trying to do the he's Jersey pretty, accent. He's pretty good at it. The he's fact that I was born in New York, then you know what I mean? So forget about it. We, we welcome you. You're an honorary. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about this on and off throughout the morning. And, and, and you know, when James Conn passed away, Ray Liotta... Willie and I are big into the, you know, the the mob movies, the mafia. I'll call it a culture. It, you know, it's organized crime. Um, do you think the rest of the country, like, do you talk to people and are like, ah, I don't care about The Sopranos? Like, one of our regular guests on Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope, was like, I don't care about this. I didn't watch The Sopranos. Not that he didn't care about people passing away. Is it a Vegas? Is it a New York, New Jersey, Kansas City, Cleveland? Like, do you have to kind of be around, like, in a sick way around organized crime to, like, be into this stuff? It certainly helps me. I mean, we we grew up in that in that environment. But I listen. You're talking about Goodfellas, which was one of the greatest movies of all time, I think, in in any circle. And The Sopranos, which probably goes down as one of the greatest shows of all time, uh, in any circle. So I actually I, I probably take them a little a little too close to heart, given the fact that you feel that certain connection. And you know, when you, when you're watching The Sopranos and you see them driving down the turnpike and you see them going through all different areas of Jersey, it it, it hits home probably a little harder. But uh, but I, I think it. I think everybody everybody feels it. But same uh, same thing for Vegas too. Like Casino is a freaking unbelievable movie. The Nikki Santoro character, I mean, that was a real person. You know, like that that hits home for Vegas people. But I just I wonder, like in other areas of the country, like I thought the mobs like cut it out. Sopranos. What do you think, Willie? I well, I think it. I think it definitely depends on on the area and the culture. But I mean, those who appreciate and and understand, like I think that. I think if you watch, it, it goes beyond the movie Casino for Las Vegas. And growing up here in Southern Nevada, I mean, I understood, you know, the the old neighborhoods, the old people, the the wise guys, the the way that the casinos were built, and the way that casinos were run. You know, we were having this conversation last night. We we're talking about my grandfather, who, on both sides, like he didn't have an enemy, but he also didn't have allies on either side when he ran the original Jubilation nightclub and restaurant from you know back in the day. The politicians, the the county commissioners, the city council, but also the Spalacho crew, they all respected my grandfather, but he didn't play either side. You respected him for who he was, but there was still an understanding of who actually ran this town. 
And those were that was the old school days of Ralph Lamb, the sheriff of, of Metro, so on and so forth. But there was that understanding that the mob wasn't going to let a lot of things take place in this town either. Just as much as they regulated, just as much as the city my, officials. Uh, my favorite angle on uh, to discuss on, like, say, The Sopranos is the Italian part of it. Because I think if you grow up around people like that, you have a connection to it. But I will tell you, and John can tell you this as a New Jersey native, there are a lot of New Jersey people when The Sopranos was on where they're like, oh, you know. This is, this is not a fair representation. There's even the line, I think it's like episode six, season one, where Meadow is asking Tony about if he's in the mob. Yeah. And he's like, that's a stereotype. Let me tell you, in New Jersey, people love that stereotype. They are full of crap when they tell you. Right, John? And they're like, yeah. that's not us. 100%. Well, really, really, you seem to love that culture. Well, I don't, and I, and I would never, you know, try to... You know, since you're the boss of this family, yeah. of this uh, I'm, family, I'm not, I'm not, oh, since you're the boss, I'm I don't know what, but it's, but it's, ep- but, it, but it's episode three, and it's called College, and it's when Oops, they're driving, uh, oh, when Tony's driving Meadow to, and they go visit the, and, yeah. and she asks him in the car, "Are you a part of the mafia?" And he goes, "What?" And so they, but she, they, and, and there's the thing about that character, Meadow's character, she defends the air, the Italian heritage throughout the show in terms of where they're always being th- thrust in, and there's a great dinner scene with Carmela, Tony. Uh, Meadow and AJ, and where they talk about the great Italians and what they've, and of course it ends with Tony looking at Kamala and goes, and of course there's Frank or Francis, and he's talking about Frank Sinatra. So you're right, but you know what? There are a lot of heritages that that you know the movie American Gangster, right? Mm-hmm. With with Denzel Washington, it talks about where where Frank Lucas came in and took over the drug trade, but how they battled with the the mafia. And I, I think people are fascinated by it because if you, it, they're all true stories. And some of the greatest movies that we've ever seen are all true stories. I mean, mm-hmm. The Departed, Casino, Donnie Brasco, Goodfellas, um, American Gangster, every one of them is based on a true story. So the, the reason it, it, it gets so much interest is because people get invested in those movies and invested in those stories. Meadows' dream college is what? Let's see how much you remember the episode. Her, her dream college is Berkeley. Yep. And, and all right, so that's it. I don't need any more. <laughs> Segway. Pac-12. John Cicente. That's all it was. That's all it was. So she wants to go to Berkeley, right? So they, hate, they hate New Jersey and Glassboro State. Could be the other choice. So what's going on now? Because like last week we're going to have you on. You're like, ah, a lot going on. Can't speak right now. Just Let's just talk about the Las Vegas Bowl at the front end of this conversation and what all of this chaos is doing. Like, are we losing our current... Are we going to lose the Pac-12 title game? Are we freaking losing the you know this beefed-up Las Vegas Bowl now? Well, listen, I, I don't think we've learned anything in the last week. Um, we we did kind of we, we were trying to figure everything out coming off uh, coming off the holiday weekend and uh, and and trying to figure out what was going on in the world of college athletics. I don't think we've learned anything new. I think the only thing we have learned is there's a bunch of stuff floating around, right? If you you can read a number of different stories online and and somebody's reporting these six are going to the Big 12 and these two are going to the Big 10. And quite frankly, we, we just don't know at this point. And it, I, I, I would imagine it changes all the time. Um, listen, nothing's changing until after the 2024 season. Um, that does affect us from a, from a standpoint of our conference contracts run through the 25 games. So right now, USC and UCLA starting um, in the Big Ten in 24, that leaves us two years with our Pac-12 contract where we're losing 
our number one feeder market teams that can drive here that are two pretty big name brands. Um, so there's going to have to be a discussion that takes place here at some point. I think the wound's a little fresh to be making that call, and I think they're a little busy to have that conversation with us. Um, but at the same time, we don't know if we're done yet either. So we're, we're, we've got a little time. We're sitting back, um, and we're, and we're going to wait it out. The, the, the interesting one for me that, that USC is going to be starting the 24 season in the Big Ten. For those of you that remember, we have uh, a Labor Day neutral site game with USC and LSU that, you know, two new coaches – um, they're, they're both getting their programs up, up and running. That's going to be their third year. So they should be pretty good, but talk about, talk about some, some excitement and, and a, and a storyline with that being USC's first game ever as a big 10, uh, conference participant here. In and Vegas. then we don't know what's going to happen with scheduling and all these conferences. Like, does the big 10 all of a sudden go, you know, we're doing 10 or 11 conference. They wouldn't do 11, but 10 conference games or where you, you might not be able to play the freaking, or USC might look at it and go, my God, we got to play LSU too. It's impossible. We're out. Yeah. And and, and back to your other point, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we all saw this coming, right? Nobody saw it coming. But the one thing that we did recognize and we did see early, if you remember, the Pac-12 we wanted as our anchor conference partner, right? Given the fact that we're out west, we're here. But remember, we have two other conference partners. We're one of the only games in the country that has a a three-conference deal. And the reason we did that was for – it was a number of different reasons. One – we wanted to position ourselves with three Power Five conferences. So the SEC and the Big Ten is, is involved with us. Two, we wanted to put ourselves in a position to, at some point, host the, the CFP National Championship game. We thought if we had three of those five votes in the room and they would embrace Las Vegas, they would see Las Ve- Vegas, they would understand what Las Vegas was all about. Before we, ha- before we signed that deal and before we announced that deal, we had the commissioner of the Big Ten out here, the commissioner of the SEC out here, and the commissioner of the Pac-12 out here. And we met with them, and we showed them, and we brought a, a stakeholders in front of them, and we made them understand Vegas is a great place to be. And so partnering with those three conferences was a long-term play. We didn't know that the Pac-12 was going to have the issues that they're having today. But I think if, if, if you know, as the crap hits the fan, as they would say, I think we're in as good a position as anybody going mm-hmm. forward. Three Power Five conferences today – uh, a destination, a world-class stadium, um, and 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 the hotels and resorts all within walking distance. So I I, I feel good about where we're at today. John Sassenti's with us from the Las Vegas Bowl. Giveaway time, 364-1100. Caller 7, two tickets to Rise Against. Uh, show is uh, this Friday. Coming up on July 15th, Zappos at Planet Hollywood. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab your own tickets. Rise Against, two tickets, 364-1100. We'll continue on this. John just said something multiple times there. Power 5. 2026, is there a Power 5 or a Power 4? You're not going to believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. This house looked like You're listening to The Press Box, Summer Edition. Rest in peace, Pauly. Tony Sirico. Uh, We got Johnny Sack in studio with us. Willie Cofield filling in on The Press Box. John Sassenti is here with us. Local legend, head of the Las Vegas Bowl, very dialed in, going to give us all the uh, dirt and the skinny on what's going on with the college conference chaos. I was asking the question right before we went to break, just for a prediction. Um, I understand the direction we're going in with a super powerful SEC and a, you know, a massive Big Ten. Are we going to have all five conferences still remaining in the Power Five? Are we consolidating to four? Um, 
you know, are you confident the ACC, the Big 12, and and uh, Pac-12 will have enough might in the future to justify, hey, you know, we still get auto bids to whatever kind of tournament. Is there a Power Five? That's a great question. And and I think, um, like, like, listen, where we stand today and how it looks, I don't know how you're going to have a Power Five. Um, everybody that I talk to, and listen, I know nothing. Um Probably the worst interview ever because I, I don't know any good good uh, gossip in there because I don't think anybody knows. Um, but the way it stands today, I, I don't know how you have a power conference and how you have the same system that you had in place. Right? The CFP is going to expand. Remember, they were on the on the on the cusp of expanding, and the ACC and the Pac-12 kind of put the brakes on it to try to iron a couple things out. And if you look back at it. They probably things probably would have remained the same a little bit yeah. had they gone along. Once with if the they were locked in, I, yeah. I, I listen, so. and I know you, you're not going to go down this path, but I actually thought to myself that when this happened with USC and UCLA, it might have happened right after that, and people with the Big Ten are like, "Well, screw it, then." You know what? Now we're going to get you. Now we're going to start pulling apart your conference. I have no idea if there was any revenge involved in there. Let, let's get to the Vegas part of this. Like, I, I, I've been trying to, uh, you know, UNLV fans have been trying to just say, listen, I, I think it's probably just going to be the same way it is now, where you're going to be group of five. I just, I don't know how this works out where all of a sudden there's a Big 12 or Pac-12 is, is going to start scooping up Mountain West Conference schools. I don't know what the money value to that is, but if you were to be encouraging about UNLV, we're selling Vegas, right? In terms of getting them to the big boy table. Is that enough? Well, it, it depends. It depends on the need, right? If if you have a couple more jump ship um, from the Pac-12, um, you know, you, you have to look at the West Coast landscape and say, what else? What else is there out there? Um, you know, look, I think UNLV is in a position, a better position than they've ever been, given the fact that you know we're the sports and entertainment capital of the world. We have a ton of stuff going through here. The city is is grown. We have we have world class facilities. I mean, there's 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 too many positives now. Um, but, but it, again, it depends on where the Pac-12 sits. Listen, I, I, I will tell you, uh, our friend George Kay, who's the commissioner of the Pac-12, he, you know, he, he came at a very, a very interesting time. He's got to be sitting back going, what the heck did I get myself into? I, I would not want to be in his seat right now because he's, he's got to sit there and he's got to he, – you, you saw he's starting the, the media rights negotiations, uh, which, which are up in 24, so he's starting them now. But he's got to lock in those teams. He's got to have some certainty going into those media negotiations of what his conference is going to look like. And so, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, are we going to stay? Because what's the money on the media rights deal? Or do we go? And then how does he negotiate the media rights deal? It's, it's a tough, tough position to be in um, where, where you have to have everything moving together. And it's tough to get everything moving together right now. Can, and these are your bosses, can ESPN save this whole, the whole Power Five thing? Like, is there enough money out there and enough TV interest where you need five conferences and then, you know, that TV material? Yeah, I I don't think I don't think the TV networks are going to solve anything. Right. Really? I I, I don't. I don't. There's so many people believe that, you know, Fox and ESPN are basically pulling all the strings. Yeah. And and that's listen, the conferences pull the strings every step of the way. There's no doubt about that. Um the, the networks are going to be there to to react and try to put themselves in the best position and, and help the conferences along with all these media rights deals. But but to, to say that a TV network is going to be pulling the strings on conference alignment and what team's going where, uh, that, that, that's a tough one because it, that, that's not good for anybody. 
So ESPN is not going to tear up the ACC contract, which is good through 2036, and then just reorganize this whole thing. Why would they? Why would they? They, they, they that, that's a long-term deal that includes the ACC network. It, what do they have? 14 years left on that contract, and and it's a it's a very favorable deal for ESPN. So yeah. why would they rip that thing up today, having a favorable deal, and say, you know, we're going to start from scratch? And and it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I saw that report too. Yeah. Um. The the one that's interesting, and and I don't know if this is fact or not. Because I, I, I obviously have not read that contract, but the the grant of rights uh, deal and and what the schools that would have to exit the ACC would end up paying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've heard upwards of five hundred million. I, you know what? Which I, is I crazy, saw that too. I was like, crazy. I thought that, I thought the exit fee was like fifty two million, and then all of a sudden I'm reading over the weekend it's five hundred million dollars. It could cost them. We're talking what in that case? Well, it's it's a lot of candidates. Yeah, right. And, it could be Clemson, could be you know North Carolina, Virginia going to the Big Ten, Clemson, Miami, Florida State trying to go to the SEC. Right, and I've not seen that contract, but the people that are reporting it are pretty reputable reporters. Yeah, um, I think Dennis Dodd was the one that 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 originally put that one out there, which is uh, which is pretty interesting. That's a that's a big number. How important do you think it is for Oregon to kind of drive the bus? I assume they're driving the bus in the Pac-12 now. You know, we, we've talked to a bunch of Cal and Stanford people. We had a really good conversation on Friday with Rod Gilmore, who played at Stanford, went to Cal Law, grew up in Northern California. Uh, he's awesome. And I, I can't, I've been bringing it up for two weeks. I'm like, ah, I don't see, like, Cal and Stanford, you know, wanting to play football with freaking Baylor. You know, it's just they're just different states, different regions, different um, looks at education. Those are Those are high-level – you know, educational spots. And he was like, uh, Cal has no money. He didn't say it this way, but he's like, at some point you have to look at it and go, we don't have the choice to be super academic and match up with other schools. We need money. Yeah. And when was, when was the last time Cal moved the needle? Right. I, the, the Stanford's the one that's really interesting to me that you don't see their name being thrown around as much because, and, and listen, we know that football drives the bus. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at the rest of Stanford sports, they're pretty dang good across the board. Um, from, from, from their women's sports to, I mean, baseball, soccer, uh, swimming, they're, they're pretty good across the board. So I'm, I'm really surprised with having, you know, the Bay area market, um, having the, the, the powerful alumni group that they have, having as much money that they have, having a really, really good athletic department throughout that they're not getting a little bit more love in, in some of well, these rumors, but I also, but I, I've also pointed out multiple times. I don't think there are a lot of West Coast people who are who are listened to nationally from a media standpoint. You mentioned Dennis Dodd, like most of the stuff coming from him has sounded like positive Big Twelve. And I'm like, you got you got to talk to more people. You got to talk to people out here. The other thing that was interesting is Rod Gilmore was saying Cal and Stanford, he feels are actually tied together. That one would not bail on the other. But I, I mean, I think you believe this, right? That if the Big Ten came calling, what would Stanford do if it was only Stanford? Yeah. And the Big Ten should be interested in Stanford. Well, you, you hear that all the time. We we think USC and UCLA were tied together. Right? Yes. I, I think USC is a, a much bigger draw for the for the Big Ten than than UCLA would be. Um, you, you heard the, the the governor of Oregon come out and say Oregon Oregon State have to be tied together, which right. is craziness. Um, I don't think anybody's gonna gonna actually take. I've I've heard uh, that we had Justin Watkins, our uh, legal insider, is an Oregon State guy, and he said you know, you know, following it that yeah, that was going to be the case. Yeah. Like I wonder. What happens? I just talked about Oregon driving the bus. I think I would assume Oregon and Stanford would have as much power as anyone in the uh, remaining Pac-12. What if the Big Ten was like, yeah, we'll take Oregon and we want you, Stanford. Sorry, Washington. We don't consider you tied to Oregon. Too bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Washington's Washington's a great school. They they have some history. They're in a great market. 
Um, you could see why they why they would be interested in them. I, I don't I don't necessarily know that they're tying them to Oregon uh, specifically. I think I think Washington just brings something to the table that maybe the, in their view Stanford does not. Um, but it's 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 crazy times, man. I I, I never thought. Uh, we'd be sitting here today talking about you know twenty team conferences or or or, or eighteen team conferences um, and and just total chaos in college football. I it, it hurts me a little bit. I'm I'm sure it's not a very popular sentiment, but I love the tradition of college football. I love the regionality of it. I loved I loved a lot. I mean, it had its flaws, but there were so many good things about it that I, I just worry about. Some I think of the you're. I think you're, Consequences. I think you're in the majority. Yeah. I mean, I, most of the chatter you see on social media are just jabronis who probably didn't go to any of the schools, don't care about the regional rivalries. <clears throat> they just want to get to the big boy table. All right, I know Willie wanted to talk about this. Sandra Douglas Morgan. Yeah, I just – you were there for the press conference, and, and you've been here a long time, you and I both, right? We've been covering sports. We've been in sports. We've been, you've been in public relations marketing. But you ever thought about the landscape right now in Las Vegas, in southern Nevada, Carolyn Goodman, Lois Tarkanians on the Board of Regions. Lindy LaRock, head of UNLV women's basketball. Sandra Douglas Morgan gets named president of the Raiders. Nikki Fargus, president of Las Vegas Aces. Natalie Williams, uh, GM of the Aces. Becky Hammond, coach of the Aces. Quite a statement for a town. We started this segment that was once known for wise guys, right? <laughs> I mean, we have some very powerful movers and shakers who are women, and I love it. And And listen all all incredibly impressive and and you know what it's about time um we've had incredible talented women in this town for quite some time and 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 listen sports has always been kind of a good old boys network and and um you know it it it, it is about time that that we caught up as a, as an industry um and that's across the board not even just in las vegas um i i was at that press conference and uh that was one of the more impressive press conferences i've been to right like I've been to a couple, a couple, and I think the last one I was at maybe um, might have been UNLV. Uh, but if, if, and you could always tell how how comfortable somebody is up there. She had notes, but she wasn't reading her notes. It wasn't it wasn't prescripted where somebody wrote all these you know key catchphrases and 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 cliches and 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 you know, you know big powerful comments. Uh, she was speaking from the heart, and and she's an incredibly incredibly bright woman. Um, and one of the more impressive, I wish her nothing but the best. Um, every person that you talk to and you ask about her, they have nothing but good things to say about her. So, um, she's got her hands full. She's going to go in there and it's, it's a, it's a tough gig, uh, especially given all the things that were going on, but, but you know, she's pretty well connected in this town, pretty bright gal. And, and I have no doubt that she'll do a good job. How has the arrival or the, the success, I should say, of pro sports infiltrating in Las Vegas in a sense helped boost exposure and marketing and networking for you as the executive director for the Las Vegas Bowl? Well, the, the good thing for me is, is uh, you know, with everything going in, on in Las Vegas and with us announcing Formula One and Super Bowl and, and all these events, what it does is it, it, it continues to put Las Vegas on the map. I go to all these events across the country and – People that I know, people that I don't know, they want to talk about Las Vegas, right? They hear what's going on. They see what's going on. It is an exciting, exciting time for our city, and people want to talk about it. People have a ton of questions. Um, and, and you know, I, I made this joke years ago, you know, we're the, we're the pretty girl at the dance, and we still are. And when I go to these places, people want to talk about Las Vegas. And, and um, you know, I, I hope we continue to grow. I hope we continue to get bigger and bigger each year. 
I'm happy where I'm at. You know, my mind hasn't changed since, you know, spring training going into this year. Like I've said before, I wanted to get a deal done. I wanted to get something done and kind of get past this so we didn't have to think about it. But, uh, you know, didn't get it done. And, you know, now it's the easier part. Focus on playing baseball, the game that I love, you know, with such a great team and, you know, so many great people surrounding me. It's made it a fun couple of months. And we'll we'll handle all that other stuff later. If we get it figured out before the year ends, you know, that'd be great. But, you know, we still I still got great, you know, communication with, with all the Yankee brass, man. They're, they're great. You know, it's been a privilege playing here the past six, you know, seasons and no, I'm looking forward to hopefully some more. You're locked in the press box. Aaron Judge on the way back is uh, Yankees and Red Sox split. Good series, a lot of heat. Extras. All right, we got a lot to close out with. Johnson Santee is nice enough to stick around for another uh, five minutes here on the press box. Willie Cofield in for Ed and Tyler who are out for the week. We'll have a different show pretty much uh, every day in terms of the host here on the press box. Uh, we're all on the older side. How much do we care about baseball? How much do we care about the all-star game? Are we still posting stories on all-star snubs? Hmm. Were we all mad this morning when we saw, I saw Jeff Passan tweet, most egregious all-star snubs. He's just doing his job. But Carlos Rodon, Ty France, uh, who cares? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, there's a list of like 10. Do we, yeah, I'm, like, do we get worked? They're, they all get in the game anyway. I was more- half, the, half the guys cancel. I was more fired up that Natasha Cloud didn't make the WNBA All-Star game than any of the All-Star MLB snubs. What's that telling you about baseball now? We want the the A's, right? Me personally, I don't. Give me an NBA team. I'll take an NBA team over. Listen, a lot of people in this town, they get out of town for the summer. Um, I don't care if it's a dome stadium. You have too many games. It's too hot. There's too many other things to do. Um, we have too many options. Like everybody talks about, well, we only have this many Golden Knights games. We have this the the eight eight Raiders games. You forget all the concerts, all the events, all the shows, everything else that we have during the course of the year. I personally don't want baseball, and I grew up the biggest baseball fan on the planet. Played it my entire life. Um, I can't believe I'm finally I'm, I'm turned off of baseball, and my my beloved Mets are actually finally pretty good for the first time in quite some time. Um, but. Baseball's got to baseball's got to figure something out here pretty quick because it's tough to watch a game. I, I had a question thrown at me earlier about tennis. Uh, Were you good at baseball? Was I good? Does all being the Jersey guy all shore count? <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that right? <laughs> what position? I was a second baseman and an outfielder. Now you were good then, because that's a good baseball area, even though it's in the Northeast. Yeah, it's we, a pretty competitive we, baseball we were area. Pretty good. The, the only well, that's ones a good, that, uh, that was a good comeback. The only ones that took us down were St. John Vianney. <clears throat> And and one of the Middletown schools, I don't know if it was South or North, but one of them I'm sure was, it was South, pretty damn good. I went there and I couldn't make the team, so they must have been really good, really good, really good. Can we address? Yes. Can we address the the most important question of the day with with John? Because I mean, you know, enough with the sports, John. What is the last manual labor thing that you did? Like you would actually <laughs> consider manual labor. Yeah, you would actually consider and, manual labor, and it could be like just fixing something around the house. If it's fixing something around the house, it was just this past weekend. What did you do? I was <laughs> screwing a light bulb in. Does not count. <laughs> That's about the only thing I actually can do. Uh, I was actually cleaning out um, leaves out of my uh, my little uh, water feature to the pool. I was replanting agave plants. You replanted something. I was replanting agave. Did you dig? Hey, listen, I'm the only guy in the world that they tell you. I go to Star Nursery and they tell you these are perfect because they require a lot of sunlight and very little water. 
I somehow f- keep finding a way to kill them with very little water and full sunlight. It cool. makes no sense so to me. So on the replant, gloves or no gloves? Oh, or, definitely gloves. Those things will stick yeah, the crap out of your hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I can't mess up yeah. my manicure. So uh, in the end, we usually post questions because I have a story. Um, I'm very selfish. I, my manual labor this weekend was I needed to trim a tree in the front of my house, like a canopy tree. And I, I got underneath it, and I'm like, my God, this, this is why every landscaper guy is like, yeah, 500. <laughs> I was like, this is impossible. I did it for three hours. I didn't drink enough water. So I was freaking gassed afterwards. I also used a new chainsaw I got. I got five <laughs> minutes in. The, the chain comes off. And I'm like, now I got to fix something? Yeah. I don't know how I got this thing to work, but the rest of the time, the entire time, because you know it was like thick branches, and I'm chopping them down with or sawing them down. I'm just like, this chain is going to come back, and my life is going to be altered forever. Now, did I stop? Of course not. But I was expecting the chain just to come firing back and split my head, but I, it didn't. I'm here. I do have a bad confession, though. I can't believe I'm saying this uh, on on air. I did have to call a handyman one time to change a light bulb. <laughs> True story. I uh, it was an outside light fixture that's a good one. and. I couldn't get to the bulb, and I thought that maybe there was a trick to get the oh, like no. the fixture to come out, and it wasn't moving. And I thought it was going to come out of the wall, so, so slid the glass. I plate literally out. added to the list to a handyman, and I felt a little bit better because when he got up on the ladder, when I watched him do it, it actually took him a few minutes, and he struggled with it, but he knew how to do it. I think I could do it next you know, time, dude, although my hands are a little pudgier. Don't than his. don't be ashamed because I like any but any I time I need to call a handyman or handy woman, I'm I'm in, man. I'm like I just can't do anything. So I stink. Do you, now do it's you, money well spent. Well, I already know that I sort of already know the question to to Cofield because I hooked him up with a handyman. But have y'all he did. Ever, he's done it. He did a good job. Have y'all ever used TaskRabbit? No. Oh. Tell me about TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit.com. That's all I'm gonna say. Pressbox today brought to you by. TaskRabbit, you can go in there and put. I've had, I've used TaskRabbit to put. Now I got something from IKEA, which you, it's impossible to to do. <clears throat> came over and, and put it together, and then a personal assistant came over and did some filing. So, but TaskRabbit, you can find anything, any anything you need to get done around the house, chores, whatever. Absolutely love it. It's funny you say that. I just bet a friend of mine, our good friend Ryan Growney from the South Point. Uh, hotel and casino we were playing golf and he said he had to race home to put an ikea bookshelf together and uh oh told me told me to take 30 minutes 45 minutes he's a handy guy it took him four and a half hours to put yeah that i love that so i felt so me. much better that claiming he's a handy guy last it 15 took him forever last 15 seconds here free slurpees today or not what are we doing we I all hate, stopping in? i hate slurpees you hate them i did d- there's d- they're like snow cones there's nothing to them i love them i'm in it frozen I'm in. water again thumbs up thumbs down you're good yeah all right, well, thanks for having us, Jared. Appreciate the chance to fill in on the press box. Uh, I'm back tomorrow, actually, with John Von Tobel. Cofield and company coming up later in the afternoon, live from the NBA Summer League, JVT, Adam Hill.